0: As Radio.com. You're listening to Run as Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 197 with guest Doug Splinter, recorded Tuesday, January 18th, 2011. Run as Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at com. you can follow the boys on twitter at twitter.com slash run as radio thank you brandon this is richard campbell with me my co-host greg hughes
1: hey what's going on
0: not too much you want to do a little run ass
1: yeah we're gonna talk some uh we're gonna talk some unified communications type of topics or things like that today
0: Absolutely. And of course, you know, we do all this stuff over the phone. So phones are very near and dear to our hearts. And and admittedly, we've had a few shows recently where we've we had been really challenged by audio quality. So I wanna definitely hammer on that as we uh, talk through this VoIP world we're living in. Uh, Let me introduce our guest. Uh, Doug Splinter is the Vice President Technology Strategy at Avtex. In that capacity, Doug works to develop and evangelize product solutions around unified communications and collaboration systems. He presents regularly at conferences and seminars on unified communications and works with enterprise clients on communication solutions architecture. Before the acquisition of Convergent by Avtex in November 2010, Doug was the CTO at Convergent, a Microsoft Unified Communications voice partner, where he built the Microsoft Unified Communications practice and custom software development group. Prior to his work at Convergent, Doug was employed as an IT director for a national professional services firm, a technical strategist for Novell. And also worked as a systems architect for data source connecting point where he specialized in messaging, document management, and collaboration solutions. And you can get more information on Avtex at www.avtex.com. Welcome, Doug. Hey, Doug. Thanks very much. So, uh, Microsoft, when did, when did the link get released? And we can, we'll, we'll harass about the name in a moment here, but it's only been recently.
2: <laughs> yeah. that's there's a lot of name harassment to go around on that product team. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, there's some good reasons for it. we can chat about that in a second. Uh, you know, the the official launch date happened um, in in November, uh, where they they kind of had everybody out and did the whole uh, the whole big you know product launch event out in New York, as I recall. And it's November uh,
0: 2010.
2: Uh, correct. Yep. Right. It was November so, 2010 yep. when the product was uh, was released and. And so Microsoft releases products kind of in this stage. They have sort of a release to manufacturing, where the product's all done. They go through a you know it's kind of that final documentation. They print the CDs, and then they obviously mm-hmm. train their tech support staff on the product. And then it goes into what they call general availability, and that's the stage we're at right now. The product's officially out there, uh, and you can uh, deploy it and call for tech support and all that stuff.
1: What is Link? Uh, the the name itself is a, it's kind of yeah. a catchy, cool little name. We we can we can argue the domain the the, the name the naming standard if you want. But but what is it? All right,
2: so uh, Link is the the new name for uh, the former product that was basically the communication server family. So it started out as Live Communication Server uh, right. when it you know first was released as sort of their corporate chat uh, and integration platform. Then it became Office Communication Server as they started you know kind of brand things underneath the uh, Office Communications uh, you know the Office Server team stuff. Uh, yeah. But it, as far as a you know a well known brand in the industry, I mean everybody knows Exchange. An office communication server doesn't really roll off the tongue very well. And so in this new version, they wanted to have an actual brand surrounding the product. And so Link really is essentially the next generation version of a uh, office communication server. It's the, the, the version after uh, OCS 2007 R2. And just the fact that it took me that long to say it tells you why they needed a new name.
1: Yeah, they finally, finally went with a short name.
2: <laughs> yeah. When you need an
0: acronym in your product name, you've got an issue.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so Link, you know, it's probably going to take some time and and it's, you know, somewhat synonymous for developers, right? A lot of people, a lot of us in that space, we, you know, link, you know, you'll get you get people talking about query, right? And then you got right. other, you know, the the rest of the world thinking links is a link to, you know, a, a website or something else. And then you've got us voice people who are now, you know, Link from a communication standpoint. But it is a pretty right. good name. It Seems to be resonating pretty well with our customers and and uh and, you know, I I couldn't come up with a better one myself. So Kudos to them for shortening it from Office Communication Server, and we'll just take it and run with it.
1: So this is not linked to SQL. This is link link with the queue, and this is the communications client.
2: Correct. Yeah, I know we're not we're not doing any. Uh, uh, there's no uh, there's no database calls happening here today. So.
1: so, is it fundamentally the same type of infrastructure we had? You know, we used to have Office Communication Server and the Communicator client that you would use for for your you know multimodal messaging. Is it still the same right. in general? general layout
2: there is there is still some similarities in architecture but a whole lot of changes and improvement um in it you know when microsoft first released the product their goal was really you know uh, the first product that really had you know voice centric services which was the r2 version where it really went after that corporate you know both the conferencing collaboration and also the voice platform it was yeah. designed very much around a kind of a centralized data center model with you know sort of people attached to those central data centers uh, Link certainly retains that ability and improves, you know, high availability and failover scenarios. But also, uh, you know, gives a little more consideration to distributed enterprise. I wouldn't say just a little, a lot more consideration to the distributed enterprise with you know, sort of a branch gateway architecture and branch survivability. Um, I guess the previous version was, you know, kind of like I said, a good sort of corporate data center voice system and a good remote employee support uh, voice and collaboration platform but didn't really accommodate that, that sort of mid-sized branch scenario very well. And, and Link was designed to, you know, one of the key elements that was designed to close that gap and also improve on the high availability and, uh, and failover components. So still the Link client and the Link server, but now there's more, you know, devices and a, and a broader choice of architectural components involved to support that architecture.
0: I mean, isn't the big battle for the branch office, the quality of the Internet connection coming into that office?
2: Um, it, it is, but... You know, one of the things that Microsoft sort of has a trump card to play, and we've we've played this as a as an organization where you know a lot of the other uh, VoIP platforms out there, their codecs uh, aren't really good at adjusting to very low bandwidth scenarios, and right. Microsoft is. I mean, they get a little bit of a ding for their internal codec being quote unquote proprietary, although you can have some arguments on that. I mean, as long as a device talking through the pathway and you go standards based when you leave, um, does it really matter about the standard side of it? But but they're really good at surviving very high latency, very low bandwidth connections and preserving a a, a, a surprising amount of voice quality. Uh, and so from a, a voice integration standpoint, you know, from the branch standpoint, we don't, we haven't seen a lot of problems with that. And as a company we run oh from the convergence standpoint, the entire company was virtualized. We had a hosted data center and our, we didn't have anybody who didn't do internet voice. That's, you know, for better or worse, that's how we were talking about that earlier. That's how I'm joining you guys today, right? Right. You know, on an ISP, grabbing a VoIP call, and that's, you know, coming back and trunking out the PSCN and back across, you know, whatever pathway it takes. So sure. the message is, you know, the medium's a little bit of the message itself. But I, bandwidth really has not been one of the key, uh, the key considerations. Uh, you know, DID number management, extension management, you know, the fact that I want those numbers to come on that local branch, and, you know, some of those logistics surrounding how a traditional voice environment works, those actually become more important than the bandwidth side survivability becomes an important story i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of stories there but bandwidth doesn't really seem to be one we battle all that much
0: Hmm. and i I gotta admit you most of the time we could tell you're on a a voice over ip phone you know there's always that little bit there's a little sound that that voip phones make and and you would never know talking to you and you're actually at home right
2: correct yeah yeah i'm just out of my home office today but you know Again, from an infrastructure standpoint, even if we're in the corporate office, we might as well be at home because we don't run our data centers. And, you know, most people don't when you think about it, right? I mean, you know, and Link has a pretty sophisticated architecture, as, by the way, do most of the current generation VoIP systems for, you know, having call control be one thing and your audio pathway another. And so you can get some pretty good quality out of these systems over, over some pretty crazy connections, you know, very... Very low grade DSL connections, and we have people with distributed, you know, contact centers where they have agents all over the world. They're right. running, right. you know, their link fabric out of North America, and it's just because there's a handful of people in all those other locations. It really doesn't take that much. And voice is actually pretty latency sensitive as long as you do it right.
0: Yeah, it's it is the issue is the is latency. I mean, it doesn't consume a ton of bandwidth. It's not a lot of data. Right. You know, this whole show will be a 25 megabyte file when we're done. Uh, It's not a ton of data, but you cannot tolerate a half-second latency. Like, people won't talk. It hurts.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things where everything else, that's been the big battle for virtualization for all this technology, right, is that everybody says, well, I want to virtualize this or that or the other thing. But if, you know, SQL calls, if if there's latency involved in the setup or anything else, uh, none of us really care. But if it's a conversation and it's so much as snorts, especially if it is a real telephone in our office, right? Right. It's amazing what we'll tolerate from a cell phone that we absolutely will not tolerate from something sitting on our desk.
0: Yes, yeah, well, that's true. And, and then, of course, the phone's pretty much optional now, right? With Link, it could just be yeah. coming out of your PC,
2: right? And that's 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 the second part of what I'm doing today. <laughs> this is my you know Windows Seven laptop with a you know a USB sidecar phone plugged into it that I'm talking to you on,
0: right? So it's and a, I,
2: I must admit I, I didn't even bother shutting every anything down or I'm one of those people that has the 400 applications open on the laptop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I don't even think I've rebooted this PC in weeks. I just sleep it, you know, walk home, plug it right. in, open back up, and start taking phone calls. So I'm a pretty abusive user when it comes to it,
0: and it and it just seems to hold together.
2: The, yeah, it's been very impressive, especially on top of Windows 7. You know, there's some things you can't get away with on older generation operating systems because they they flat out weren't uh, designed for it. I guess one other you know thing of note for you guys is that we also have about. A decent chunk, almost fifty percent of the UC engineering group. And this is kind of where I get in trouble from Microsoft once in a while, but it actually runs Macs. Really? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so well, we have a we have a, a high high volume customers who are in higher education. You know, Macs are a, a part of that universe, and Absolutely. Microsoft has done sure. a great job. You can do full VoIP. You can you can receive desktop shares, and the next version will even be able to share out your Macintosh desktop. So it's it's pretty okay. hard to tell around here what platform somebody's on.
0: And I guess this is the important part: is while well. we tend to focus on the the voice piece of this, it's actually uh, an instant messaging client, a, a sort of presence tool, and then also yeah. a collaboration tool.
2: Right. And and you know, rich ties into Exchange and all the rest of it. Actually, what intrigued me about the whole thing was all the rest of that stuff because you know, VoIP's the table stakes, if you will. I mean, you got to yeah. be able to do it. You have to be able to do it well. You have to have that sort of quote unquote RFP you know feature stack for voice call admission control and You know, all the rest of those things. Well,
0: you're only going to notice voice if it's lousy. You're never going to notice if it's good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nobody calls their PBX admin and says, thanks for that quality call I had this morning. That call really (laughs) rocked. That guy sounded like he was right there. sounded like I was talking to him on a phone, right? So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you know, there's this high expectation, right? And then... What, what in, but what intrigued me is, I come from a, a law firm IT background, and what intrigued me about it is, we were using it to try and establish virtual case teams. We had offices all over the country, and right. people were trying to collaborate on cases. And for me, it was actually, as an IT director, it was a training decision. I noticed that was, uh, we were training in new paralegals while we were you know, having paralegals leave from other offices. And I started asking questions about that because it was blowing my training budget out. And I went, why, why are we you know, terminating over here and hiring the same cast of different people? It, it doesn't, it's not a you know, termination. It was a departure which are a different, you know, sort of classification. we noticed that that was very surprising to to me as, you know, why are, you know, is it the same skill set? Can't we leverage them? And and basically it was the fact that people didn't feel they could collaborate. So we started diving into this, you know, unified communications to try and build virtual teams in two things. One, you know, keep employees around because once you train somebody up and they understand what you do, you know, retraining that's expensive.
0: Yeah. Right? You've got a lot invested.
2: Yeah. And it's just the human disruption of that and all the rest of it. So, um, and the other thing is just, you know, Profitability. If you can take a worker who is idle, and you can you know help spread that load across an organization, you, you know profitability on that, the return on that, uh, from a revenue standpoint. So we started looking into unified communications for that. Something interesting happened. We rolled out a pilot of Office Communication Server uh, into the the organization, and. We went to take the pilot down for some maintenance. You know, the pilots are not production thing. Yeah, the guys are going to take it down. Right. The users pushed back oh. on us taking it down. Don't you love it when a test
0: case becomes
2: critical to the work? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: oh, no, you said, can't take that yeah. away.
2: Yeah, yeah. We're, they said, you know, we're getting ready for trial. Can you can you delay that? And they came in to me. I said, yeah, we can delay that. You know, have we finally found a technology people will pull instead of push, right? And yeah. so, so that's what I liked about the whole unified communications platform. And, you know, we started getting in, uh, when I came to the, the converter side of the house, we started getting into building applications on top of it. And that for me was the, where the real intrigue is, is actually, you know, taking what used, you know, what used to be a series of manual steps and sort of, you know, intelligently automating them or lighting them up with communications technology. You can do a, a lot of, you know, once you have those foundational elements, you can IM, you can, you know, chat and do all that stuff. Now you can start making your processes a little smarter, Um, you know, for example, you, you know, one of the things we built for somebody was when you tie you, when someone makes an opportunity in CRM. Say it's an opportunity for Unified Communications, right? It's an RFP response. Well, the system can run out and assemble sort of a, a group of people who should look at this. But how about we don't pick anyone who's on vacation or booked the day the RFP is due? Right. You know these, those are things you know that you would normally do, right? But now all of a sudden, and, and when that meeting goes out, it automatically has a conference call scheduled, and all those different communications mediums are all embedded. And it happens automatically instead of us having to go do all those manual steps. Those are the parts that really caught me. And once you have the platform, what can you do with it?
0: So then this is really about the integration with Exchange as well as, boom, I have everybody's calendar. I, I know a lot about the people we're trying to involve.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, we did a kind of a recent prototype where we're actually running out into CRM as a unified messaging. Mes- as a message gets left in your voicemail box we'll run out, look that contact up in CRM and literally enhance the message in your mailbox with CRM data. Right. So that's, you know, I mean, Link is a platform. In the new version of it has let us, you know, answer those RFP things. It's much more now, the biggest change, there's two things really. It's, it's From a platform standpoint, conferencing got a huge uplift, right? I mean, the conferencing stuff was pretty good before, but did you guys mess around with Office Communication Server 2007 <laughs> R2 and... And live yeah. meeting and all that stuff. have you messed with that platform yeah. at all, or
1: yeah, at a user level? Yeah. So
2: while. if you've done it, you know, there's, there's a big separation between personal collaboration and an online meeting. You know, you went over to the live right. meeting to do meetings, and you used the Communicator client for your personal stuff. And these separate right. windows would fire open, and it was confusing for users. So They simplified all that and they made it all just kind of a link online meeting. So the user side there was was you know was incredibly beneficial. But the other thing they did is in the in the new version, it's much more place friendly. The previous version was all about people, but Microsoft kind of almost had a blind spot to the idea that there were physical phone considerations for some places and that not mm-hmm. every location was a person. Some places are just places. Copy room four, right? The lobby, all those kind of, you sure. know, place-based experiences they were not particularly good at in the previous version. But in hmm. this version, they really filled those, you know, for lack of a better term, voice RFP gaps and are, are actually able to address, you know, a broader, um, a broader use case, and now that that we have that in, that's what lets us say, okay, now you can deploy this thing, and then build applications on top of it.
1: Is this uh, on-premise, in the cloud, hosted systems, all of the above? What are the options that people have when they want to think about this?
2: All the above, but there are some pretty significant considerations for for what you can do and where. And this is one of the areas where the documentation is really not very good. So here's here's the the general guidance for it. First off, obviously it's part of There's an on-prem version of it, right, Uh, that you can either buy as a standalone or you own underneath different Microsoft licensing agreements, depending on, you know, CALs and all that stuff. There's also uh, Link Online, which is part of the Office 365 stuff. I think you guys did a previous run as on the Office 365 component, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so people can check that one. That was pretty good, as I recall, for just kind of an overview of Office 365. So if we dive into the You know, the real nitty gritty of what the difference is between an on-prem and and the current version of uh, Link Online, I emphasize current because that that is an evolving roadmap for Microsoft, is uh, the Link On-prem is fully featured and everything you read about or look at on that website is available for an on-prem deployment. When you step to the cloud, you lose the ability to use it as your PBX. That's the biggest thing you lose. You also lose a lot of programmability and extensibility from an application integration standpoint because there's just a lot of things they just won't let you currently tie into the cloud to do integration with. So, you know, if you want to have your own interactive voice response bots or you want to get into some of the lot of the development we do as sort of our bread and butter, that that some of those things won't run against the cloud version right now. But the biggest single differentiator would be that PBX replacement functionality. You can't do it in the cloud version.
1: So what? So if somebody is thinking about, let's say they have a small business and they just sort of have, you know, sort of a mishmash of traditional phone stuff, everybody has their own phone number, the opportunity for them is that they might be able to consider using Link as, you know, really a fresh implementation to start building a communication system for their business. What do they need to think about and what do they need to know? What's the planning process look like?
2: So, Link's going to be an outstanding collaboration, uh, communication, online meeting place. You know, the the Link Online. Because you know, for for anybody who's a smaller shop who doesn't have you know or want to deploy an IT infrastructure, um, they're going to be able to use Link as again for everything except their PBX uh, in the current version. Now, that is on the roadmap and coming, but it's just not here right now. So, they're still going to need to retain that um, uh, that traditional you know quote unquote phone system for their actual. Uh, for their actual lines, although certainly that's on the roadmap for Microsoft to do that. There are other, uh, there are a few link hosting partners out there that are getting into actual hosted links where they'll actually host your phone numbers, uh, and you can actually, you can, you know, purchase it, if you will, from an online, but then it's, it's not part of Microsoft's, you know, Office 365, uh, component of things. Or the other one would be to look at an actual on-prem, uh, deployment of the, uh, the link standard offering and then you have it, uh, inside of your organization if you're, you know willing to make that investment. And by the way, the hardware footprint on this thing has come way down. So that is actually an option for a lot of customers where maybe a, you know the the previous version had a little too much hardware requirements behind it. Current version those yeah. hardware requirements have come way down. They allow a lot more simplification uh you know of the well they just, they simplified the entire architecture and and they let a lot smaller organizations run it on prem uh like they would a traditional PBX if they're interested in it.
0: Well and I took a peek at pricing. A standard edition link server is only seven hundred bucks.
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah you put standard edition link and then you put, you know, the Windows license underneath it. Um and so to do it as a PBX you need one server. If you want to internet face it, then you need to license, you know, the public facing connector, which I think is like two grand list uh for depending yeah. on what you want to, you know, have anonymous and all that stuff. But there's that's not like a per user thing. It's sort of the you know, you pick your services you want to publicly expose and you got to do a one-time license there. And then you're really kind of done. And they call it the edge server. And that's really what lets me, you know, do it from home without a VPN. So right now I'm talking through the, you know, the link edge server and then back out, you know, through the gateway to talk to you guys. And the edge server is what right. let me have that without, you know, a VPN tunnel in my universe.
1: So if I'm a shop that has exchange already in place, I have, um, you know, I want to be able to do the collaboration that, that link can provide Um I mean, it seems to me that the toughest thing from a change perspective potentially is going to be the voice side of things, right? Yep. What do I have to deploy? Let's say I'm just net new, going to start from scratch. If you want, we could also address, you know, how does somebody who has an existing, maybe an old school PBX or a current IP PBX or IP telephony service in place. But what, what do I need to do? Just assume I'm starting from scratch. What does the infrastructure look like for me to set up so that I can actually have telephony services in the link world with, yep. you know, DID numbers for sure. my business?
2: So there's, a, there's really two key components to lighting up link and, and voice services. And let's just assume that we're doing it for everybody who's attached, you know, inside of our, our building right now. So I would deploy a single link server, and then I obviously need something to hook me into the public switch telephone network while you can do, you know, some direct sip providers, that story breaks down pretty quick because there's these things people have called fax machines or, you know, something that's yeah. got to plug in from an analog line.
0: It's amazing how you still need a few phone lines every time. You
2: do, you do. I mean, we've had you be surprised some people, you know, will sit there and they'll go, "Well, I'm going to go to Link and I'm not going to need any voice hardware at all." And then you know, you show up with that overhead speaker paging system, analog, you know, yeah. line or whatever it is. You got to have some place to plug that thing in. So there's a broad community of certified SIP gateway uh, providers. And basically what you do is you need a link server and a SIP gateway. And those gateways have, you know, PRI ports and analog ports, and they have all the, you know, the, the other connectivity you need um, in order to to talk, you know, to legacy PBXs or all that stuff. So that SIP gateway, if it's, if it's a, you know, a Greenfield brand new environment, you're buying a server and a, uh, a SIP gateway. Uh, and then, you know, whatever your other networking infrastructure you have but the link components only require that server now link you know the only voicemail you're allowed to use with link is exchange so you also need to have an exchange environment to point at uh as the voicemail server but those are your Mm -hmm. those are the two really you know pieces to stand link up a sip gateway um you could do it in you know direct but again back to our whole fax machine story but
0: there is and there is a lot of vendors out there making hardware specifically for Link.
2: yeah and it's all the big players right uh uh, NET, Network Equipment Technologies, uh, Audio Codes, Dialogic, and, uh, I mean, there's, there's scads of others. There's a hard, there's certified, uh, up on the link product page, there's a certified heart, you know, gateway manufacturer page, and, and that list is growing. Um uh, I'm probably missing people, but it's the, those are the big three historical voice gateway vendors. Right. And they've been with Microsoft since day zero, and they, they all have, Mm-hmm. And those those are the vendors who also make, along with Hewlett-Packard, um, who also makes a, both a standalone and a blade, those branch appliances, architecture we were talking about. So if you have a corporate mm-hmm. link deployment, but you have like a branch office that has, you know, a 100 people in it, you can put a,
1: right.
2: what they call an SBA, a survivable branch appliance at that local place, plug the PRIs for that location in there, all that media pathing is going to stay locally. And if the corporate WAN link goes down, everyone will still be able to make mm-hmm. and receive phone calls. So architecturally, exactly. really, it's the server and the gateway.
0: And, and I'm thinking, yeah, you don't want to build. As an IT guy, I don't want to build any of this stuff myself, right? I I really want a machine built for Link with the right hardware in it.
2: You mean as far as the the actual Link server goes? Yeah. Well, for the SBA, those are appliance based, right? So okay. the branch appliances; those are all the vendors that make it. As far as Link, one of the one of the key benefits we see is that it is software powered. So yeah, you you take your favorite server platform, and that's where you deploy your corporate link environment on there really isn't any need for specialized hardware uh for the link server itself anything that's on the certified hardware list right that's that's what you need so the main the 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 main
0: server itself is just a totally normal pick your favorite server here yeah just the sip it's just the thing that takes the that plugs the pstn in and and that sort of thing is a is a unique
2: piece of hardware that's correct yeah and that's you know it's actually there's surprisingly as you dig into the voice universe there's relatively few manufacturers in the world who actually make that stuff anymore really everybody yeah. puts their own stickers yeah. on and all that stuff but the actual circuits you know the uh, the t1e1 you know the pri handling hardware right everybody licenses it from all the same chipset manufacturers so if you dig into all these yeah. different vendors you'll notice it's actually a pretty small industry of you know people who you know are able to make money at connecting to pris and all the rest of that stuff and obviously you know, the SIP trunk providers uh, and all the major carriers are now offering, you know, SIP uh, and SIP failover services, you know, through people's MPLS networks. So there's a tremendous, you know, shift happening for how people get their quote-unquote voice services. Right. And they just yeah.
1: So in the live meeting, the live meeting slash WebEx type of capabilities that we use on the Internet for... Yep.
2: Yeah, a link online meeting. Let's get our Microsoft terminology in there.
1: Okay, well, and so that's that's, that's what I was going to ask you is what what kind of services does link offer both for internal like inside my enterprise collaboration, but are there services that are available uh, on the internet so you know if I have potential customers or partners or, or that I'm working yeah. with where I need to be able to do web conferencing, is that also available?
2: Yep, so that's kind of what we talked about you know for sort of the phase two of everyone's deployment, and I don't even remember the last mm-hmm. time we were involved with one that didn't have it. And so, well, Microsoft called, you know, from a from a conferencing and collaboration standpoint, obviously the old live meeting services are now in there as the link online. And their audio, uh, video, you know, web meeting, you know, your traditional web meeting, conferencing and collaboration component. But they fuse in the dial-in conference bridge as a native part of the service. So if you've done that, uh, if you put a voice gateway in and you hooked it up to the public switch telephone network, and that is one of the things about Link, by the way, you don't have to enable all the services, you could use just as a PBX, you could use it just as your web, you know, and PC-based conferencing solution. So we're kind of talking here about lighting all the features up, which is, I think, you know, getting what you paid for. But from a web meeting standpoint, you know, people can join that web conference and, and do uh, PC-based audio as long as they download the link uh, clients, Or from any browser anywhere that has Silverlight, you can join that web meeting and then you could dial in from a normal cell phone or landline to hear the audio portion of things. Mm-hmm. So they're really pretty flexible how you join and collaborate with that uh, with the web meeting side. But it is a full, you know, traditional, you know, online web meeting replacement. They have a couple of caps on it. Uh, they they don't want you hosting meetings that are more than 250 users in the on-premise deployment. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a limitation of the of the Link software itself. It's just a limitation. They they impose an architectural limitation because they simply don't believe. Most customers are going to have the infrastructure to even support that. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's that, a lot of people. It's a lot of people, and when you virtualize it, they even lower that limit a little more if you run it on top of a, a hypervisor or virtualized. And I, you know, people say, "Well, I can only." How many of those do you have? We have some pretty large enterprises, and the average, the the vast majority of their their meetings are two to five people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, these are <laughs> tiny collaborations. So every once in a while, they're getting ready to do a big blast. Well, here's the question do you want to pay for the bandwidth 365 days a year for those you know twice a year when you're going to use it probably not so most people are looking to the, the Microsoft online conference for those couple of big ones cuz they know you know the cloud providers can have that kind of bandwidth all the time so yeah you you, uh, you
0: rent it when you need it
2: yeah it's yeah exactly i mean cuz you know if if you want to send out you know, vga video to you know 5000 people odds are your average person even 500 people, most people's internet pipes are just not set up to do that. Sure.
0: But it does sound like link is a commitment. It's uh, You're going to replace your whole phone system with this new system.
2: A, a lot of customers don't look at it that way. They phase it in. They'll bring it in for their internal presence and their web meeting. And and a lot of times their are dialing conference solution. Right. And then what usually happens, especially in the larger enterprise, I would say mid-market, you're correct. People say, you know what? It's time for a change. My PBX is long in the tooth. I've had it for 10 years. I yeah you know, I did it in the y two k thing I'm gonna rip this all out and go to something new right um uh, there was a study a while back from one of the uh from one of the heads- headset manufacturers that said it was a decent chunk I think it was like north of of ten percent of people are uh, of workers younger than thirty are forwarding routinely forwarding their numbers to external services like their cell phone or skype or other things outside of the environment because they want you know mobility and connectivity so there's right. a, yeah, definitely a generational shift for how people are looking at accessing this stuff. But in the large enterprise, uh, Link comes in as a conferencing collaboration platform. And then, you know, maybe goes out to support mobile voice because it's really good at that. And then as people start to, you know, as phones just, you know, break or depreciate, they'll start replacing the handsets and the desktops. So it's not a rip and replace kind of thing, especially not in the large enterprise. They just don't make decisions like that.
0: But and I do appreciate the whole uh, power over Ethernet, pure Ethernet phone solutions we've got now, where it's, yeah, it's just a new kind of jack. It's an RJ45 jack,
2: right? Yeah. So they have uh, a couple of hardware manufacturers, and the link now you can get a standalone, you know, phone that looks like a traditional corporate VoIP desk phone. It's actually a little more feature rich. You know, a, a lot of times in the PBX universe, we've noticed that a lot of nickel and dining for advanced features. And Microsoft really didn't play that game. They said there's three levels. There's basic, there's enterprise, and then you're, they call it the plus cal, but it's really the voice. Is it is it your PBX, right? Right. For that user. And, and they let you sort of divide your use community into, a, into some logical groupings and say, here's how I'm going to use this thing, and it's out there. Uh, and everybody else, you know, are you using this little feature or that little feature? So it's a, but from a physical phone support standpoint, yeah, there's, there's now actual phones you can go buy from, you know, Polycom and, an Astra, and you can drop those on people's desks. So they don't have to know you're using unified communications. They can still think it's a traditional phone. They system. just want it to be a phone. Hey,
0: do you know anything about Microsoft Response
2: Point? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you mean the, the the no longer... The in dead existence? phone system? Yeah. <laughs> the dead response point, yeah. Yeah, it's,
0: it's nope. unfortunate. But I thought it was a very clever little product, that it was super simple, meant for a small office, Yep, and uh, you know, a, a sort of Xbox sized box that ran the whole thing with PSTN lines, and off it went.
2: Yeah, and so what what you're going to see the replacement for that be is the cloud, and and that's really where it belongs because it, it wasn't it couldn't do all the features. It wasn't sophisticated enough to handle where Microsoft would like to see you go in those little tiny form factors. It was right. it, it was a it was a neat idea, but you know where they want to take you is this sort of rich collaboration environment, and that was really sort of holding them back to being just kind of a uh, uh, for lack of a better term, a cuter phone system, right? And that's not where, that's not where anybody sees this this whole show going, right? And so, if we're going to give those small people the services to compete against the big guys, then it's got to be all up. And that's really what the cloud's about is leveling the playing field between the small enterprise and the the large enterprise for what they can offer from a collaboration standpoint.
0: Although looking at right. link standard with a PC. It's not that much more money than, I mean, I think the, the original response point package with eight phones was about three grand. Right. So, you know, we're pretty close with a basic link implementation on that's premise. Correct. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, from a, you know, a cost and, and deployment standpoint, you get a lot more flexibility. If you're heading to the cloud, now we're cheaper. Right. Right. And that's really, you know, and, and, there's also just the complexity of maintaining that, right? I mean, if you're a small business owner, a lot of people like to kind of put things in their closet and forget about it. Yeah. Software powered solutions don't really work that way. They do require you know, everybody's. You know, the more the more sort of things you attach to it, you have to have somebody pretty smart to maintain that. But the you know the secret of the whole cloud industry is that a smart person can maintain those services for a, an awful lot of people, mm-hmm. right? So you know, a good exchange administrator can run you know a ten, fifteen, twenty thousand seat deployment in the same manner they could run a three to five hundred seat deployment. Sure. And so the you know that same story carries across voice. The challenge with cloud-based voice and really having it be your phone system is that, you know, what about things like 911 compliance? What about yeah. you have to become a C-LAC, You have to become a carrier, right? So there's Microsoft's going to face some challenges as they have to head in and trying to become, you know, and, and the regulatory climate has to change a little bit too, right? Because, Nobody, when they wrote all the 911 regulations, regulations, imagine me calling you guys in a scenario like I'm doing right now. Right, right now, 911, where is everybody supposed to show up? Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I'm 38 miles from where the false PBX is. So.
0: Yeah, true enough. Uh, well, Doug, I think we're just about out of time. Any final call-outs, things people should be looking at if they want to know more about Link?
2: No, I think, you know, I mean, the Microsoft product team, obviously, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, partner ecosystems running this thing. It's a, it's really out there in the world. I, I guess the biggest thing we would say is that, you know, people have been kind of hesitating and sort of waiting and saying, you know, someday this Microsoft software powered voice thing is going to be ready. We've, we sort of, you know, hopped on that bandwagon long before then. And it's now, I guess you could argue either its fourth or fifth major release. So we're long, we're we're past that. We feel that bleeding leading edge, and sort of into the you know, past, far past the bleeding, and more into that leading and almost, you know, early adopter side of this whole unified communications curve. So we would like to see everybody take a serious look at Link for their uh, for their infrastructure for both collaboration and for small and large organizations. You know, look at the cloud version, look at the on-prem. This thing is is powering enterprises all over the place, and it's it's ready for prime time.
0: Awesome. Doug Splinter, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for the time, guys. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.